Let me start by saying, it was really good that this happened. Patrick forgetting to unplug his hard drive at work. That's where this all started. Or, at least when I started noticing. By the time he realized he had left it plugged in and with its contents open on the desktop, a coworker had seen. What made it worse was that he didn't say anything about it. This meant that Patrick could delude himself into thinking that maybe nothing was exposed. But naturally, that thought didn't stick, and instead he just stressed about the more likely conclusion that his very private information had met with unwelcome eyes. Of course, the real error wasn't even bringing that drive to work. He never did that, even if it meant spending the extra time and using something like a Google Drive to transfer files wirelessly. The risk was just too high for any reward. I don't even know why he brought it to work that day, or what he needed so badly that he broke his own rule. All I know is that it had to do with Perry. I know the issue you might be focused on right now is why he even has that drive. I don't know this stuff enough to understand if that's normal or not, but the problem here is bigger than his choice of tools and, (laughs) for lack of a better term, stroking that flame. I don't know when exactly he first found Perry. He told me about her about four months ago. Very openly, actually. I admire him for that. Even if it was just a guilty conscience or part of the kink to talk to me about it. He said it happened how anyone finds an obsession. It was accidental, unexpected, and overwhelming. A few minutes of perusing and then, bam, there she was. Once he selected her and the scene began playing, with her almost immediately dropping her robe and kicking off her slippers, exposing her physicality in full view, he stopped all activity and just absorbed the vision on a screen. The sexual impetus was quenched almost as fast as it was incited. It was now just about appreciation. At this point, Patrick only knew her physically so that's all he could admire. Her hair was dark, but the glossy strands reflected almost reddish highlights throughout its run. Her cheekbones were not sharp and pronounced like one might expect from a sex worker, but instead they were plump and soft, almost childlike. Her diastema rested between them, peeking below her thin top lip, which hovered just enough to forbid the smile that would have taken away from the allure. From there, her delicate neck led his eyes to her chest, wide, but with minuscule breasts that sat perfectly in front of the heart he now believed he was seeking. Her lithe waist was interrupted by her hips, which expanded out before tapering back into her thighs, down to her calves, and terminating in her petite feet. She stood nude and natural. Of course, there had been no incisions to either reduce or augment anything about her, but even her face barely held any cosmetics, and she had forewent the industry-standard spray tan. She was a direct gift from the creator, and as such, she was perfect as is, but what Patrick noticed the most was how her toes lacked any color. He claimed he never took notice of this feature in women before. The raw pink and white of her nails contrasted the olive hue of her skin, darkening under the pressure every time she entrusted them to hold her body weight. It was pure divinity how graceful she could move on such bantam bases. Everything about Perry was petite, 
But he said her feet were something else entirely. The word that popped into his head was darling. She made her way into her bathtub, and as she dipped her darling feet into the bubbly water, then submerged herself and kicked them back up, all he could think to himself was that he wouldn't be interested in anyone else sexually, romantically, or even casually. And that would remain so for the extended future. Understand, he definitely wasn't in love, but he wasn't getting the typical feeling that this stuff sparked in him. I'm thinking that's what started this confusion. It was like when he was watching her, she was so encapsulating that she spun his emotional wheel and it semi-randomly landed on love and he just went with it. Was he lacking love at that time? Was he lacking for someone worthy enough to love? Did that make his wheel have wider slots for the pointer to land there? I'd like to think not, but it could very well be. You would have to ask him. Perry Owens' real name is Cassandra Harper. She was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma on May 14th, 2000. She's five feet tall with a size five shoe. She started her pornographic career when she was 19, but at 18 was when she started her webcam show from her bedroom in her parents' house. She built it up to a point where she was regularly entertaining audiences of sometimes over 100,000 and her prowess for drawing a crowd had gotten the attention of a major company, which paid her six figures just for her first scene with a member of the opposite sex. <laughs> she was a millionaire within months. Like most starlets of present day, Perry had a strong social media presence, and it was the most pronounced on Twitter. Maybe it was another splintering delusion, but Patrick said he always felt like it was just as much the personality that shone through her Twitter account as her looks that locked up his affection. True, she didn't use the application to just expose her physical form further like most of her colleagues, but instead she expressed her deeper ponderings, although I can't confirm that she was being as pretentious as that. Her take on politics, the news cycle, sporting events, and other trending issues were the meat of her page. But it was her rare tweets that placed her on Patrick's highest pedestal. He favored most of her posts, but only retweeted the ones that moved him. All we do is chase and chase and chase. Dot, dot, dot. June 11th. Wounds always heal. If they don't, they'll kill us anyway. July 21st. Don't say you will unless you will. July 25th. I'll break free one day, someday. September 27th. Anyone else always feel bronin? She spelled broken wrong. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe just me. October 4th. With these pseudo-philosophical thoughts, Patrick had created this tortured poet in his head, a victim he had to rescue. I don't think he went deep enough to formulate exactly how his actions would serve that goal, but it was his mantra. He was completely missing the connection of how his financial support was keeping her in the same system from which he wanted to break her free. For him, the damsel in distress archetype was the perfect companion to her beauty and the ultimate unlikely foil to her latently lustful aesthetic. 
she became more a concept than a person, which I'm almost sure is something she did not intend. Her last true scene was filmed on October 16th, 2020. Yes, my research did get very messy. Critics called it underwhelming, especially when they learned later that it would bring Perry's lightning hawk career to an end. Patrick found it exemplary, but he's so enamored that he says the same about her social media posts where all she does is take pictures too close to her face with sunglasses so big you can barely tell it's her. Like I wrote earlier, his co-worker was polite enough to never bring up what he saw, or didn't see, on the hard drive, which hadn't resulted in his intended benevolent motive because it left Patrick always wondering what exactly he had seen. He made it even worse by still engaging him with generic small talk when they pass each other, as if to emphasize that he didn't see anything, which only confirmed to Patrick that he did. No matter what his co-worker saw, the point was that his reputation was shot from Patrick's own perspective, and that was all that mattered. He needed to make some sort of change because it would have been awkward forever. So he gave his notice to both his employer and his landlord and headed to Los Angeles without a job or a place to stay. The fact that Perry lived somewhere in that 5,000 square miles locale was all he needed. It's not important what exactly was on the hard drive. I know through my own snooping, but I'll respect his privacy by not relaying it here. Just know the hardware was exclusively for Perry, and there was almost 100 gigabytes of content on it, which included virtually everything she had ever made. I didn't notice the true degree to which he was attached until she stopped making content. I understand that this might not make sense. He does have a hard drive filled with her scenes and photo shoots after all. Now, I'm neither implying that you nor I watch pornography, which of course is fine, but it's understood that most men and women who do are not necessarily looking for new content. The instinct to take in that material is a primal one and thus often not a particularly picky one. I can't imagine someone finding a scene that fulfills what they were looking for only to shut it down when they saw that it was filmed a year ago. That being said, as with any grade of addiction, a new high is always sought. I hate the idea of calling this an addiction, though. I understand it floats into the criteria, but the concept of becoming addicted to a person has always troubled me. Human beings just change too fast, both the subject and the desires of the addictee. I also don't think he was addicted to sex, but again, for privacy reasons, I won't go into why I feel that way. You must understand that he was not watching these videos for sexual release, at least not exclusively. He was adamant about this, and he had a ton of his own explanations, but I think the best way I was seeing it was that he was essentially on dates with Perry. Had she been a YouTuber or even just a normal person uploading content to her stories, he would have just absorbed it just like he did Perry's pornography. What made it more real was the intimacy he was able to access. People go on dates, then they have sex. You have to be imaginative to have sex with your favorite YouTuber or the random hot bartender. But with a porn star, it's much easier. 
This is why it was so important that this content be new. Once he fell in love with her, he stopped watching anyone else's content. Trust me, I still feel bad for violating his privacy, even though it will help him so much. It's kind of funny and oddly sweet, but I believe he saw supporting other sex workers in any way as cheating. Let's not get into the irony. Plus, I really feel he just lost interest in any other woman, as hard as that is to believe. He created a legitimate relationship, at least to him, and then when he was finally deprived of the means to keep it going, it was like she dumped him. As far as Patrick was concerned, he lost the love of his life. He's clinging to the 100 gigabytes of memories he has of her to cope. But thing is, even the memories aren't real. I hope you could see my concern and why I need your help. Funny enough, you're not actually the first person I'm reaching out to, but you should have been. I tried to contact Perry too. Of course, I had no idea how to do that, and I certainly wasn't going to go on any site that showcased her work exclusively. My research never got that messy. I ended up finding her info on social media, and I just sent a direct message into her inbox and (coughs) hope for the best. I didn't have much faith in receiving a response since she hadn't been active on the profile in over three months, but I figured there was nothing to lose. She actually replied pretty quickly. I imagine she pulls a side living from her fans who probably just send her money if she asks. Anyway, nothing came of it. I asked her if she was done with her performing career and I never heard back. Considering these people are like any other entertainer, and need a strong fan base to survive, I took her shun as a sign that she would not follow in Michael Jordan's footsteps and that her final bow was indeed final. I didn't tell Patrick, of course. He's been virtually silent as he's come to realize the finality of his illusion. In the same way, I'm realizing the finality of my ability to help him. He won't go any further with me because of the shame and I've realized now that I need a boundary as well. The course I've taken has already been very much of a violation of his trust, and by proxy, our relationship. I've stopped since, but the last time I checked his history, he hadn't looked at anything outside of her Twitter and Instagram in weeks. I love Patrick very much, and I would do anything to remain in his life. That should be obvious since I left a practice where I had someone as brilliant and accomplished as you as a mentor, even though he never explicitly asked me to go with him. The conflict is that I also have a responsibility to do what's best for him. Of course, I don't expect you to just pick him up as a client or get on a plane over here immediately. I don't expect anything, really. I just figured I needed to reach out to you because of your experience And maybe he would have an answer. Please let me know if I'm out of line. Our job is one that thrives on the uncomfortable, and we can't help but take that home. I remember when you told me this. My first thought was how afraid that statement made me. I love the field, but I didn't want to get caged into a life of constantly analyzing everyone around me. It's always been a battle to relax those instincts around my loved ones and non-clients in general. 
and it's only becoming harder. And now I'm here. I don't blame Perry Owens, of course. And I don't even blame Patrick. I suppose if I'm honest, I blame myself. Whatever I didn't do. I know you're going to say it's not my fault. I know that intellectually, but I still can't truly accept it. I must have missed some signs or ignored a smaller issue when I should have acted. <sighs> anyway, it lies. I can't improve on the next issue if I don't see where I went wrong on this one. I made my vows and I intend to honor them. I promised to serve my husband any way I could and outside of this slip, he's done the same to the highest order when he came to serving me. <laughs> I have no idea how to convince him that he fell in love with essentially a grouping of pixels and the concept that he invented was never anything near real. How do I tell him I'm right here every day, every night? He can feel me. He can see me. He can talk to me and I'll talk back. He thinks he lost her, but the issue is that he never had her. Just like the millions of other men who've supported her, she was nothing more than a distraction. A tool to work out a baser instinct in a safe, harmless, and impermanent way. I have to believe most of them realize this. But why not Patrick? Was he actively seeking something unreal? Subconsciously? Why would he want that? He can fire up his hard drive and reanimate those pixels anytime. He still does that often enough. Sure, the thrill of the new is gone, but she'll always be there. He can actually lose me. Is that what he wants? I love Patrick, and I would do anything to keep him. Just tell me what to do. That was The Prettiest Feet in Porn, performed by Nina Pasechnikova, written and produced by me, Josh Ramirez. If you like this story, you can read it and other ones on my Wattpad, and find all of my previous readings on YouTube, and coming soon to podcasts. If you like the content, make sure to share. Thanks for listening.